Hello, welcome to VR Roundtable, episode 126. My name is Gary, and joining me is Anthony and Steve this week, a three-man show. Um, we've got um, you know a few things that we'll go through, but thank you to everybody joining us in chat. As usual, uh, you can give us a super chat or uh, however you want to help out the show. Give us a like, a thumbs up, that would be great too. Um, and also thank you to everybody listening to the uh, audio podcast after the fact. Um, I know that we do have quite a few people that listen to the audio podcast and um we're very appreciative of that in fact a lot of these shows that go up on youtube that i watch um i actually listen to them far more on, on the audio podcast version than i do actually watch them on youtube um so yeah thank you for doing that as well but um anthony and steve so we're here we're back again uh anthony how are you this week i'm very good and you know what um just just a quick mention, we were going to have a really big guest today, and it fell through at the last minute. So apologies, guys, because I did, on on the very end of VR365, I was like, oh my god, we're going to have this incredible guest today. Um, but these things do happen. This is the nature of the beast. There's times where one of us has a sore throat or something just pops up at the last second, and you just have to bail, and and it happens. So apologies for getting people hyped up yesterday on Beer 365 at the end of that show yesterday. Um, my week's going pretty good. Um, played a bunch of Trovers. I think we're going to be talking about that later. So uh, looking forward to that. And, um, you know, there's lots of good things, lots of l- videos I've seen on the internet recently, like some VR games that are coming soon that look really good. So it's pretty exciting right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These these things happen, but uh, we'll we'll get them back on at some point in the future. Uh, anyway, so uh, Steve, how are you this week? I am good. Uh, we came back. We we went to uh, family. We, we visited a friend's lake house, and we were tubing and everything, and we got rained out. So I was excited. I was going to make it back to do a, a show with our guest, <laughs> and uh, that didn't happen. So uh, a, a little a little bummed that that things didn't plan out the way we were hoping they would. But nevertheless. It's good times. We're live. We're doing the show. Let's talk some VR. Yeah, awesome stuff. Okay, let's get straight into it then. So the first news story that we've got down here is to do with uh, Apple with their AR Kit 3. I did want to include this because there's a few things that we can mention, first of all, on Apple themselves with this uh, stuff, but also we can lead on to a little discussion about the Nreal glasses as well, which... um actually uh, tested did a video on this um this past week as well which was really interesting to watch about the uh Unreal discussion on there but first of all so this ar kit 3 this is the first iteration the the, the third real update uh for apple's ar ventures and it's still you know it's still working on mobile phones you're still looking at uh ar through your mobile phones and it's not really what we want but we know what this is all leading up to um it's leading up to glasses you know ar glasses that apple will presumably be bringing out at some point in the future we don't know that yet but there are a few rumors that are going around that they might possibly uh reveal something later on this year with a a release early next year but you know that is very much speculation speculation there's been almost nothing confirmed about that they're very secretive 
Um, but um, I think what they're showing with this AR kit, kit 3 is the fact that they're getting far better at, at mapping the world, mapping using AI to find out the objects that need to be occluded and which don't need to be occluded. So you can see in uh, the video that's being played now how like a woman is walking around um, uh, a living room with uh, AR chess pieces, a plane flying around, and they are occluding her in the correct way they're occluding the objects that are being presented there in the correct way too and also the other aspect the other big aspect of this AR kit 3 is the um the mapping um so it's it's the body tracking itself so it can mirror things that you're doing in real life based on nothing more than a camera observing you uh, which is pretty impressive um but all of these things are leading up to something which is far more exciting for the future which is ar glasses um just looking at this footage anthony um what do you think of this is this you know we we've often spoke about magic leap on the on this show and to me maybe Apple are the ones that can really bring, bring the promise of what Magic Leap uh, were talking about a long time ago. Um, and maybe that's just me being a little bit too optimistic on what they can actually deliver. But what do you think of this looking at what they're showing here? I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the video right now. It looks really good. It looks awesome. I've got to admit, though, like until it is a glasses that we can wear in our head. Like I just, I have zero in not, not even zero. I have less than zero interest mm -hmm. in holding up a phone, moving it around and doing anything like that. Like that just doesn't interest me. So like all these different AR kit things, you know, there's all these different announcements that come out. Like this is working so much better. That's working so much better. And I'm like, wake me up when there's something I can put on my head and it just all works right. And one thing I'll mention in regards to this whole thing is I was kind of slightly optimistic about Apple. You you hear all these different reports. We've had different rumors that said, you know, maybe late 2021 is when Apple's going to drop this incredible product that's going to change the game. And you know they're heavily involved in this. They gotta be heavily involved in this. This is this is probably the most vulnerable. Apple has been in maybe the last 15 to 20 years from a standpoint that it looks like we're moving to this new era with VR and AR and, and Apple's going to have to transition over to that era. And all these other companies are looking at it as an incredible opportunity to finally get into this thing in a much bigger way. And so Apple has to be involved here, and I'm sure they're spending ridiculous amounts of research and development money on this, and they're testing things. But I'm starting to believe that the kind of AR that Apple would bring out, man, I don't know. I don't know that I believe in this 2021 thing. Honestly, like if, if someone put a gun to my head right now and said, Anthony, when are we going to have a mainstream Apple AR product that you wear on your head in some kind of way, I would probably have to say like, man, like maybe 2024 would be the earliest I would think this is going to happen. And the reason I say this is sure you, we see these AR things all the time, but Apple's not going to want to do what everybody else does. Like, like Apple Apple is so much about image and there's so much about ease of use and those two things combining in a way that's going to work for them, I just don't see it happening anytime soon. I'd love yeah. to be proven wrong, though. 
Yeah, I would too. And I agree. It feels way too early. Even all of these... I mean, I read a report on Upload VR, which was uh, by VentureBeat, actually. They were talking about this, which is uh, something that I've, I've uh, linked into the show document here. But this is where they were talking about a possible reveal of these later this year, which seems way too soon to me. Um, and it will be a tethered thing. That is a, a pretty strong rumour. That's been going on for quite a few years now, how these glasses will tether to your phone and they will use your phone for processing in but even that i mean i suppose these envial glasses they do sort of um they show that it can be done in some kind of reasonable form factor but it still feels a little bit too early for apple to jump on board with this and um, again like you anthony i hope i'm wrong on that steve what do you think i think this this is just showing that the work is continuing and the development is continuing apple um I don't know, you know, Anthony, you said 2024. I think it's a little further away. I don't know. 2024 is maybe not that far away, but I don't think this is 2020, uh, at least in terms of any sort of wearable or anything like that. But I, I, I still think and chat is blowing up saying they're not into AR. They hate AR. We're getting I hate Apple comments. And I'll, I'll just <laughs> it's funny, but I'll, I'll just add that I think um, I, I think people you know, if, if you're in chat right now, if you're listening to this on the audio podcast, you're into technology, right? You wouldn't be here if you weren't some sort of tech head. And I think when these products are fully commercialized and, and fully realized and in, in the value that they bring to your day-to-day life, assuming the products end up being what I think they'll be, I think you, most of you will sort of change your tone some and you'll think that um, there is use and there is purpose here. I, I don't, I still, and, I, and I've commented in the past, I don't see these as 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 gaming or anything like that. And there'll be little Angry Birds type games on it, I'm sure. But um, the 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 integration is key, and and I think it's what a company like Apple is really good at integration. And I think integration with with their smartphones, their watches, where where I can put on a pair of glasses and. I don't have to worry about my contact list or my GPS or I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's just going to, I'm going to pair it to my phone and it's all just going to work. There's going to be minimal friction. I don't know when that is. It's, I don't think it's 2020. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that it'll take to 2024, 2025, but I could see it 2022, 2023. I think the time will come when we have a fully realized commercialized, well-integrated product that brings utility to our lives that that most of everybody in this chat room right now are going to want to buy. Now, it may be super expensive when it comes out and people may say, oh, you know, it's not worth 500 bucks. It's not worth 800 bucks. Um, but at some point, the worth will be there. I don't know when that time is, but um, I, I think I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think um, it's an important thing to say. Like when we talk about AR on this show, and I, I we'll just very quickly go over some Unreal discussion in a second as well, just to get the AR stuff out of the way. But I think an important part of it is that a lot of VR's focus at the moment is on gaming, and you know I'm a gamer. I love the the gaming aspect of VR, and that's what I want to continue to expand but when we talk about technology and we talk about ar again like steve said i don't i don't consider ar being gaming at all (laughs) Um, i just could can i make a quick comment real quick because just like everybody in chat like and even you two like no one believes that gaming is going to be a part of ar and i got this is what i'll say i'll say 
you guys, God, I hate to say this, but you're short-sighted. You're short-sighted. You're not thinking out of the box. Like one of the biggest complaints I hear from AR people talking about AR is they're like, they're like, look, I know what my wall looks like. Do I want to see my wall in every single game that I'm playing? I don't want to see my same wall. So that's like a major complaint that you always get, right? Okay, here's what I'll say. Have you ever been in a in a downtown area of a city and you've got like skyscrapers and stuff. Now imagine you're there, you've got your AR glasses and you're playing a freaking UFO invasion game where it's like it, the glasses see the skyscrapers, they map them in. There's freaking, it's a freaking space battle that is happening in front of your face and you're controlling it. There's just a million different things. Like you're riding your bike. Okay, we all do exercise. Well, we don't all do exercise. We all should, right? So you're riding your bike down the street. You're telling me that there's not going to be AR games that as you're riding your bike, you can like pick up coins and, you know, the there gamification will be, yeah, of there, everything. There will be AR games. There absolutely will be. But I don't see the focus of AR being on games. That's my point. No, the, I see market, AR being being mobile equivalents. They're like the mobile yes, equivalents of games. The, 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 the market for AR is going to be closer to that of the smartphone tablet market than, than the gaming market. The gaming market is hundred-ish million people. I mean, we see, we've seen it now with Nintendo, Sony, and, and Xbox having sort of plateaued. All of those markets are growing, but they, they just sort of plateaued <laughs> at best around a hundred-ish million consoles. Um, okay. Whereas Hold smartphones are billion people markets. And, no, and I, that's I, the difference. I don't think it's just gaming. It's not just gaming, but people like, okay, gaming science teacher in chat says, I don't think people will use AR for gaming too much. I think it will replace smartwatches and eventually smartphones, just everyday use stuff. Yeah, it's going to do all that as well, but people don't game on their phone all day long. I know a lot of people that do. My kids do it all day long. What the, the point I'm trying to make here is a lot of people are like, oh, AR is cool. Yeah, I'll use it for like notifications and I'll use it for like putting video screens wherever I want to have them. But I'm never going to play games on that thing. Like if I want to play games, I'm going to be serious and I'm going to go into my man cave and I'm going to put on my VR headset and I'm going to get real serious about it. And what I'm trying to say is, dude, there's going to be some incredibly compelling AR things that we just cannot imagine right now. Like you can be in your house and you've got a zombie invasion. Like, like they did some AR stuff. I think it was Magic Leap did this where it could see the windows of your house and it would like know the windows and it would put zombies outside of your house, walking around your house. One other thing I'll just quickly say, and then I'll finally let this thing die, is Tilt 5. Have you guys seen the latest video that Tilt 5 came out? This this used to be Cast AR. Jerry Ellsworth, right, is like the uh, CEO and everything of Tilt 5. She left Valve. They had Cast AR. Cast AR kind of died, and now they have Tilt 5. They released a video not too long ago where it's this mat, and you lay it out on your table. I mean, we know what it is, but like I was looking at that video and I was like, wow, you put this on your coffee table. You got these games that are like diving down into your coffee table where you're playing like a dungeon crawler and it's like going into your coffee table. You got games coming out of your coffee table. You've got, they've got old classic arcade games where you're, it's almost like you've got like a, a Miss Pac-Man um, freaking cocktail table that you just turned your your coffee table into or pinball or there's just all kinds of different things. 
Um, we play board games. A lot of us, you know, like board games. And the thing about board games is the biggest hassle with board games is setting everything up, having all the pieces, all the bits and bobbles, knowing the rules accurately, trying to explain rules to people. Well, AR combined with this, the computer knows the rules. There's no setup. There's no takedown. Now, the downside is you got people with, you know, they've got the AR glasses on. They got a little thin wire that's run into their their phone that has to have like a Snapdragon 855. And yeah, that's kind of like a dream, a far-flung dream that all your friends are going to have phones with Snapdragon 855s in them and all that. But I'm telling you, man, you guys do not discount AR. It's, it's 10 years away from being like where it's going to matter to us. But man, these people that think they're never going to play games in AR, you are tripping. Uh, Straight up. Do, do you play games on your phone, though? Do you play games on your mobile phone, Anthony? See, I don't. I don't. I don't. But you know what? I've had a PlayStation Vita and I've had a Nintendo 3DS. Yeah, and yeah. so I've played port. I play portable games. And and for me, like the phone is not what the where where I want to play a game because it doesn't have like buttons and stuff like mm. that. But AR, you can't say that AR is never going to have like a little controller thing that you can have with it. Um, and, um, I don't know. It, I just, it, it, I, I, gaming's going to be there. Um, I, I just, I, I don't, I think, I don't, I don't know if you're responding to more me and Gary or responding more to chat. Um, but, but either way, <laughs> yeah, like I think it, gaming's going to be there. I'd certainly think, I mean, that's what Apple's showing here. They're showing gamey like little things, but it's really a focus on the occlusion detection and their ability to layer things in the right space, you know, not, not have that robot walk through the table as opposed to on top the table, things like that. It, games will be there for sure. There's no reason for games to not be there. I just think the bigger appearance, Appeal becomes um, what what it means to to everyone as a whole, the everyday user, the people that that don't care about games. Um, so we exhausted yeah. AR. Maybe we no, no, thinking, no. We, we were, we're thinking this in real, we're baby. Breeze <laughs> through this real quickly, and it turned into yeah. something. That's awesome, though. That's what makes a good show. That's it. Yeah. We, 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 no, we, we, no, we uh, staying on AR for another hour and a half, everybody in chat, just uh, so you're aware of that. Um, very quickly, I mean, we, we won't stay on AR for that long, obviously, but very quickly, these Enreal glasses that uh, the Tested did put a video up on there. I think they look pretty impressive anyway uh, for what they're trying to go for, this this uh, $499 price tag and they are more or less the form factor that people would want from that kind of stuff anyway um, if there's any little comments on Enreal before we move on I don't know so I um, I've, I've kind of so for $499 I'll just say like I, I don't think I'm going to buy a pair but I would like to try some out I would like to give it a test run I'd like to rent a pair either of you Gary I imagine it's more in your court but are you interested in picking up a pair uh, so I would be if I owned a compatible phone. Um, I've not got a compatible phone. You need a Snapdragon 845 or 855, I think, and there's certain phones that, even if they have that, that, that are not compatible as well. So, no, I've not got a compatible phone, and I'm not paying for the developer version, which I think you get the, the compute unit as well alongside uh, with that as well. So it's not something that I'll be picking up, but I would love to try it, of course, yeah. I, my thought on Unreal is like, no, I, I don't really have any interest in these particular glasses. What I am encouraged by is how far we've come in, in a relatively short time. And if we have something like this in real thing now, you know, where are we going to be in five to six years? But I don't think this this in real thing, like 
when you first see them, you think, oh, that is super cool. These look like basically glasses, but just a little bit bigger. But if you do watch that tested video, you realize that when you put those glasses on, like basically half of the glasses are chopped off. You've only got that bottom portion that you're actually looking out at. And then like when they talk about applications for it and everything, and Jeremy broke it down about how you're looking at it, it's in this window. As soon as you move a little bit, you know, the window moves and it's like, oh, immersion broken. And he was saying they did some demos and the demos were very careful to keep everything in that little box to make it look a lot better. But who the hell is developing like the stuff that you're going to care about on this? That's the problem. It's more like they're scrambling to try to make this thing work. They see Magic Leap. They see HoloLens. Dollars start dancing in their eyes. They know there's a lot of venture capitalism, uh, venture capitalists that want to invest in this. But you, you need compelling content because just seeing that, oh, you got an email from blah, blah, blah. Like that's not going to be the uh, compelling enough. It's got to be beyond smartwatches. So I don't I it, I think it I think it inherently will be beyond smartwatches because it's it's in your field of view. Now, I, I don't know quite what it's going to be like wearing these glasses, but if it tethered well, like I mean, my smartwatch a good one from is 300 bucks, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood, right? So and it is mostly just a notification thing um and I, I don't know. I'm very tempted. I, I don't know that I will buy this, but if it's basically just a notification thing, if if I can go out on a jog, wear glasses, and it track my heart rate, my cadence, um, you know, give me those vital statistics in real time, tell me how far I've gone, show me the song that's playing in my my earbuds. If it can do all of that, if I'm driving in a car and I have instantaneous heads up display for for my GPS wherever I'm driving to, um, that that is pretty compelling in the smartwatch kind of range, and it's its utility in terms of of what it can do isn't much higher than what a smartwatch can do. With the key difference being, it's something in your field of view rather than something on your wrist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Anthony and I are just having a little discussion in chat there. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, let's get away from AR now anyway. That's caused enough problems. So let's talk about... Um, so this next news story is pretty encouraging, and this comes out of Road to VR. So they do this thing where they um, they sort of analyze the statistics that come out of the Valve uh, monthly Steam survey, and they break them down in a certain way. They use what, what they call their own proprietary model in order to get these uh, figures a little bit more accurate. And what they're saying is that now that PC VR headsets is past the 1 million active monthly users on Steam uh, for the first time uh, in May, which, um, you know, that's that, that's good news if you're a VR fan. Um, but also leading on from this, like they're saying like projected numbers uh, also indicate a figure of around 2.15 million uh, by next May. So, you know, it's going to double over the next year, hopefully. And um, that's uh, it's pretty good news. I, th- I think everybody would agree with that. And I think the slow build-up, it has been a slow build-up. I think it's safe to say that since 2016, we've had a very gradual build-up on PC VR headsets. And a lot of that for the start, at least during sort of 2016, the first half of 2017, was primarily due to the cost. I mean, it, it really was. A lot of people were turned off. People that were interested in gaming and wanted to get into VR were probably turned away from the simple 
simple fact that you had to pay for a very expensive headset and a very expensive graphics card. Um, now the cost has come down. And I think the acceleration, you look at this on the Road to VR article and there is a definite curve um, where it, there's a, a slow build-up as well. And it's like a... Uh, it's a, hopefully it will increase, sort of accelerate as things go on as well. Um, but yeah, encouraging news either way. Uh, Anthony, what did you... Did, I, I assume you saw this story. Uh, is there anything to add at all? Yeah, no. I mean, I saw the story. Um, it kind of made my brain hurt a little bit as I tried to read it and figure out how they came up with all these different numbers. I kind of, although, you know, one thing I'll say on the whole topic here is like, I don't know that the penetration is that great because you look at Oculus, they've never mentioned their numbers ever. And I think if the penetration was uh, something to brag about, I think they would have probably mentioned their numbers. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. And, and the quest being such an affordable thing. I mean, I know it's not PC VR, but it will have that effect of a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. And so it's just getting better and better. Yeah. Steve, if you got any thoughts on this at all. Well, I'm not sure it's a good thing. Um, you know, I think it's good that Road to VR crunched these numbers and sort of extrapolated what they think is the the correct uh, data. Um, it's good that it's growth. So it, it's not that it's all bad in, in my mind. Uh, growth is good. But one million isn't... Um, good to me when PSVR has 4 million and um, you know, it looks like this is three years and I don't know. I'm not, I'm not stoked by that. I, I still don't fully know what that problem is. Why I, I always go back to content. I'm not going to go on a lack of content rant right now. So sorry to disappoint chat if that's what they were hoping, but it's um, you know, I got, I think, you know, so so if these if Road to VR's extrapolation of the exponential curve is true, and we ride that till May of 2020, and and then we cross 2.15 million users, will things be any different? So so let me just fire back. Let's talk about this a little bit. Fire it back to you. If if Road to VR's curve ends up being true, if next May we're sitting at 2.15 million active VR users in Steam. Will things be? Will it? Will it matter? Will Will the market? Will the the developers? Will the games? Will anything sort of translate and change with that curve if it holds true? I'll uh, go back to you, Gary. Well, I, I I think if you're doubling the figures on anything, then you're going to get far more developer interest um, from that because of the you know the the possible way that they can sell their games um but yeah i mean i suppose at that point it's still not enough it's still not enough for the big developers to really take an interest in it so it's going to take longer it's going to mean more things and i, I you know i'm just I'll, i want to be optimistic about this this was a, a really good story um but steve you've took an angle where you've made me feel a bit down about it honestly uh <laughs> so so nicholas gunner in chat says that's that one million means plugged in, and 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 that's a good point because when yep. Steam does a survey, the headset has to be plugged in and recognized. I don't know if my Pimax is recognized, so I may not count. Um, but it's got to be plugged in versus comparing it to PSVR. It's the sold numbers. However, I will caveat that I don't think there are three million unplugged in headsets that aren't counted in this database. Going back to Gary's previous point, 
Oculus would be um, if if the numbers were good or you know worth bragging about, they would brag about them. Uh, same thing with with HTC. If the numbers were worth bragging about, we would be hearing about how successful Vive was in terms of units sold. And we just don't get those numbers from either company. It'll be interesting if going forward, um, you know, a year from now, Valve maybe releases numbers on how many indexes sold. But I don't. I wouldn't assume that they're going to. Um, so yeah, well, I still see aren't they, it as go ahead. Isn't Valve like? Aren't they going to be in a little weird position though? How they do their monthly thing, you know, with the monthly headset percentages, and they'll show like DK two, and they show Windows Mixed Reality, you know, just hit ten percent and all of that. So is the Valve Index going to be in there as a like? Because it's going to start off relatively small, and maybe we can take that information, like whatever percentage they give us, if they actually do it. If they give us a percentage, maybe we can run that through their algorithm and figure out exactly how many uh, through Road to VR's little algorithm that they have for figuring this stuff out to see how many Valve indexes did they really manufacture. Yeah, that's an interesting point. But also, I mean, I think they will because the way Valve are playing this, the way Valve are playing the index is like they're coming across as they really don't care. They want to produce the highest quality headset, the highest quality experience and just throw it out there. If, If not many people buy it, then so be it. They seem to be riding this wave of just having that angle and not worrying about mass adoption with the index. So I don't see it as being a problem if they wanted to include that in those figures and uh, just making a point, you know, okay, it's going to be a slow buildup for the index, but it's still there. Hey, you know, Sponge720 in chat says shareholders should make public companies disclose those numbers. And I kind of thought that same thing. Like I'm like, like Facebook, Oculus, they're a pub, you know, they're a public company. They're publicly like they can, like, I didn't know it was legal for them to hide those figures. Like if I'm a big shareholder, I wouldn't, how many did you sell? Like, I want to know, like, I thought I didn't, Microsoft don't. Yeah, Microsoft don't with the Xbox One anymore, do they? They've stopped releasing those figures for some reason. Yeah, that's a good point. I I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of that, really. But Microsoft have not done that for years. They've not released any figures on the Xbox One. Well, it's because there's not looking Def- as good as what what PlayStation's doing. I mean, yeah. they they don't want to they don't want to highlight and scream to the world that hey, we're not doing as good as our competition. Go yeah, us. but the PlayStation guy just recently said one in twenty PlayStation Four owners bought a PSVR. Is is that something to celebrate? That actually sounds bad to me. It should be like one in ten, I think. I don't think, yeah, I mean, it's it, when, when you hear that figure offhand, I don't think that's a great thing to hear. But when you consider the amount of PlayStation 4s they've sold, I mean, it's gone way beyond what they expect. So I think it's safe to say Sony never expected PS4 to sell anywhere close to what it did. People were saying, like, before the last generation, people were saying console gaming is dying. Nobody's going to buy another console and all this kind of stuff. So it's gone way beyond that. It's what, what I mean, PS4, is it the, like the second or third best-selling console ever? Some Something like that. It's along. It's, it's somewhere in there anyway. Um, and one in twenty of the third best-selling uh, console ever is not too bad when you when you judge it on those. I, I don't think. Yeah, on a new a new accessory and expensive because it's it's an accessory to a console. Um, I I don't think that's too bad. It's certainly good compared to what we think the PC VR numbers are. And one other thing I kind of want to point out is while in a way it sucks that. That's that Valve presents this data in a connected headsets fashion. The one thing that it 
that it does help is it, it gives us an idea of activity. We know that in the last month, that's how many headsets were at least active. Because I'd be very interested in, in data that says this is how many headsets have sold, whatever that number is, and this is how many headsets are still being actively used. Like, what does it look like? You know, when when the average consumer buys an HTC Vive, you know, what does their activity with it look like one month after they purchased it, three months after they purchased it, one year after they purchased? Give us an idea if people are buying these and then putting them in the closet to collect dust or if it has a real high attach rate and people are still actively using them on average, you know, one year, two years after uh, initial purchase. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, let's get on to the next news story now. And this one, although it's a pretty interesting headline, I think the the substance behind this that was uh, reported on Motor VI is a little bit thin, uh, at least at the, for the moment, but it's interesting nevertheless. This is to do with Samsung, and um, it was reported in Variety that Samsung's Director of Development Relations of XR and Gaming, uh, he said that the company has plans to release multiple AR and VR products over the coming months. Um and it was also on stage, actually, at the Augmented World Expo, um, just basically reiterating their their support and their commitment to VR and AR going forward uh, at Samsung. So, you know, Samsung are a huge company and they've done many things in VR, um, but this this ongoing support and commitment to VR and AR is, is pretty interesting. Um, Steve, I'll go back to you first on this. Um, is there anything that you that sort of stuck out to you on this? It's, it's pretty thin. There's not a lot of substance there. That's pretty much it. But uh, Samsung, big player. The only thing, it's, it's kind of like the uh, Apple AR story, is, is the only thing that stands out is that there's still activity and development and plans at work with a big household name like Samsung. Um, so it, it, it's, it's that activity is better than saying, Hey, we don't have anything on the horizon for VR, AR, and we're, you know, it's just dead to us. So knowing that there's activity suggests to me that, that these companies at a high level, uh, are still seeing value in the investment and value in giving the employee resources and the financial resources to continue developing, making hardware, software, drivers, whatever. Um, so the story is that there's more coming from this company and that is in and of itself a good thing yeah anthony so samsung we know we know this for a long time they've been interested in vr they sort of um what did the gear vr with uh, in in collaboration with oculus um and then they went on to produce their own vr headsets windows mixed reality headsets um but there was also this this thing i know you've mentioned this a few times how these are sort of the 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 dark horse perhaps in VR these could really come out of the woodwork and, and produce their own VR headset um, because these are the people that really make some of the best displays in the industry um, but yeah what are your thoughts on this okay uh, real quick right before I get to that I just wanted to thank uh, we had a kind of a flurry of super chatters so I just wanted to thank them real quick Tony M with a super chat thank you so much Robert Staringchak with a super chat. Two Tones, My Bones with a Super Chat, and Mark Hinshaw. So thank you very much. Absolutely appreciate it. I just, I hate it when like we see that and then we forget about it for a <laughs> yeah. long time. So I just want to mention that real quick. But yeah, regarding Samsung, one of the things that we have to remember, if we go back to May of 2018, I think they were doing that uh, SID Display Week, the SID Display Week. I forget if it was in Germany or where it was, but they were, um, Samsung was there 
also JDI was there. Now, JDI is like Japanese Display Initiative, and I believe it's like Sony, Toshiba. There's like four or five different companies that are working together for that. And then Samsung also, they showed off, a, basically it was a 2160 by 2160 uh, panel, but running at 120 hertz. And it had like a scene of like, some huge cityscape, you know, and, and like the detail was just tremendous. And we didn't hear anything about that for a long time. And I remember, I remember when we first heard about this and then a little bit later that year, we heard that Samsung was going to announce a VR product and we were like, Oh my God, this is going to be it. It's going to be this super high res thing. We're going to get this. And then they were like, no, it's the Odyssey plus. And we found out that, you know, it's basically the Odyssey plus, and they were going to have this little lair that was going to try to, uh, try to take away the screen door a bit. Um, but they do have that panel. That panel exists, and it's eventually going to find its way into a VR headset. Also, when you think about Samsung in general, they started off with the Gear VR, the Samsung Gear VR. That was their thing. Of course, they partnered up with Oculus, and they leaned on Oculus and kind of took advantage of Oculus and, and had that whole thing there. But now Oculus is like, okay, we did that thing with Samsung. We're cool with you. We, you know, we, we're... We're, uh, we're, everything's good, right? But we're going to do this quest thing. Well, now this quest thing is kind of entrenching on basically what the Gear VR was. And so Samsung, at a certain point in time, they got to think, what are we going to do here? They partnered with Microsoft with the whole Windows Mixed Reality thing, which I thought that was kind of weird. But again, maybe they were like, well, we can use your inside-out tracking. We can use some of the stuff you already have, and we don't have to invest as much. And then secretly in our own labs... We're working on our, on our own things. Now, one of the questions I'm, I'm posing about the Samsung thing is, are they going to come up with their own inside-out tracking that they're figuring out in their own labs? Are they going to come up with their own controllers? Um, what, how are they going to do this? Are they going to have their own store? Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Are Could they partner with Steam? Could it be a Steam VR thing? Could we see Windows Mixed Reality 2.0? Could that happen at, like, the January CES where there's a completely new Windows Mixed Reality stack of, like, new inside-out tracking and, and extra stuff like that? Like, we don't know how Samsung could possibly introduce this thing. Or it could just be a freaking Quest competitor. It could be that. We don't even know. Yeah, the, um, the the interesting thing about that as well, one one of the points I wanted to hit on, Anthony, is like when you say, because I was thinking maybe they could do a, a Steam VR headset, use the Lighthouse trackers and that kind of stuff, um, because that would be a great way for them to go. But at the same time, I think increasingly, now that we a lot of these headsets, and I, I assume that PSVR 2 will also be inside-out tracking, a lot of these headsets that are inside-out tracking, Steam VR using lighthouses, these things, these external things that you have to put up in your room is far more seen as the enthusiast-level device now, and I think that's going to only increase over the, the months. Agreed. The Samsung, I think, I mean, if Samsung are going to go for this and they're going to do their own thing, I think they will produce their own inside-out tracking solution um, or stick with Windows Mixed Reality. I mean, you know, I've got to say, like, when I tried Windows Mixed Reality, I owned a Samsung Odyssey briefly, and I didn't have a huge problem with the tracking. But, Steve, you've got, like, a Odyssey as well. Is there anything like... Is, is there? 
I had an Odyssey, yeah. <laughs> is it like a, a big problem? Is there a big problem with tracking on that? I don't see that as being a huge thing. And I, I know the controllers are not great. I don't think the controllers are great, but they weren't, they also weren't terrible. They certainly weren't as bad as the Vive ones or anything like that. But these things are, you know, unless there's a good reason for them to move away from um, Windows Mixed Reality, then I think Samsung will probably stick with that, just produce a, a, a better quality headset overall. What do you think? I'm inclined to agree. Um, while it would be nice if Microsoft would update the the base of it and 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 get some more tracking fidelity, I don't think so. The tracking is it depends on where you're coming from. Whether you think the tracking is bad, if you're coming from an HTC Vive setup or you're coming from a four sensor Oculus Rift setup and you play contractors, you play Onward Pavlov, and you lay on the floor and you snipe people and all that stuff. Yes, the tracking in Windows Mixed Reality is atrocious. By that same token, the tracking in the Rift S and the Quest isn't that good either. However, if you're just the general player, you don't you, you just kind of get lost in the game. You're just playing some Space Pirate Trainer, some Beat Saber, um, and and you don't get super focused on all the minutiae. Then you're gonna get on just fine with a Windows MR. Like it, it's it's not so it's better than PlayStation VR, right? Like so out of the gate, it's better than PlayStation VR. Yeah, the tracking isn't robust. You sometimes see the controllers fly away, but it's better than PlayStation VR. So um, I don't think tracking is is the problem in the market by any stretch like like you know i mean playstation vr shows that people will buy if the price is right and the content lineup is enough of a motivation people will buy inferior track based hardware so um i i just i say all that because you asked me what i thought of windows mr and and i agree i think it would make the most sense for samsung to maintain partnered with either windows mr or somebody if we look at what they do they tend to not roll out any of their own ecosystems like they make android phones and they let google deal with the os and the google play store um they they're involved in a lot of hardware they sell a bunch of components and stuff to apple um i think they're i i don't think vr is a big enough market for them to say hey we're going to break our our normal operating mo and and start doing storefronts and ecosystems and things so i think they'll partner with someone and then i think if they look at where they want to be maybe they want to go after the high end and maybe they will partner with valve and do a steam vr track solution or maybe they'll want to go try to go more main market or mass market and and make a device that looks more like the rift s uh, but who knows there was a rumor like four or five years ago there was this microsoft rumor that microsoft wanted to get out of gaming and they wanted to sell off the entire Xbox thing, like as a package to another company. And Samsung was actually rumored to be the number one acquirer. But this was just a straight up rumor. But like they were talking about it on like stock, like uh, Motley Fool type places were talking about it. Like it was in the it was like shareholders were talking about it. Um, yeah. But, you know, it'd be crazy. Like this would be so crazy. Could you imagine everybody starts getting their valve indexes and they're like, Oh, the valve index is the most amazing thing ever. And then about two weeks after that, bam, the Samsung titanium is coming out <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, Oh man, we just got our valve indexes. And now there's the Samsung titanium. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, thank you to Steve drum. Hello for his super chat as well. Um, Okay, well, we've got a couple of, well, a few little news stories that we can go through here as well. So the first little one that we can 
briefly touch on is uh, the acquisition of Leap Motion by Ultra Haptics. Um, this is a company that purchased Leap Motion, and you know, I, I, the reason I've included this is because Leap Motion have been around for so long, and they don't seem to have done. Other than like the Project Northstar, the, the the AR work that they're doing, that is the thing that really is, is interesting to me. But the actual Leap Motion device itself hasn't really had too many updates to the best of my knowledge for quite a while now. Um, and it was used quite a lot. I've tried it. You know, I've, I've placed it on the front of uh, my original CV1 Oculus Rift and I've tried uh, using the hand presence. And it's very compelling. It's really I mean, I can't even describe it. It's far more than I expected just to see your own little movements of your fingers represented so accurately in VR is very, very good. Um, of course, you know, to, to use this kind of thing for gaming or anything like that, you're not getting the haptic feedback that we all want from this kind of stuff. And that, I suppose that's where, you know, gloves and things like that come into play. Um, but the Leap Motion device itself was uh, pretty impressive, um, but I've not seen too much of the hand tracking for the last few years really and this acquisition is probably quite encouraging overall um so just going through a few figures here um it said it was founded in 2011 and it's garnered over 94 million dollars um from outside funding so you know they're not short of cash in order to develop this relatively straightforward well not relatively straightforward but relatively small device that can be uh just used as an add-on um but um, yeah, has anybody got any thoughts on like Leap Motion overall? Um, because I, I, I've tried it quite a few times, but there's only so much you can do with it at the moment if you're not a developer. You know, there's only so much available to you. But um, I don't know if any of you guys have tried it at all. I have not. No, okay. my only thoughts on it was like, damn, man, this was a company. Like, I feel bad for them because weren't they valued like a couple of years ago weren't they like estimated to have a value of like 300 million and they either sold for 30 million or 10 million depending on like what story oh. you read um but i think it's 30 million but i saw another story where it was only 10 million and it's like these companies they make gambles like this you know they create a company they have this idea and then they're kind of waiting around for another company to gobble them up. I think that was their original theory is they're going to be gobbled by an outside company. And Apple was, was potentially going to gobble them like on several different occasions. It ultimately fell through every time. And then they end up selling for 30 million. It's got to be a major buzzkill to lose like so much valuation like that. But you know, that's what happens. Yeah, and Apple, that, that Apple thing that you were talking there, Anthony, you know, I think that's a good point because Apple, this falls in line with exactly what we talked about in terms of Apple's AR glasses and that kind of stuff. This technology could be directly used for that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Leap Motion, it's, it's a great company and they are working pretty heavily in both VR and AR, really. Well, primarily AR, I suppose now, but uh, we'll see where it goes with this hand tracking stuff anyway. Um, so the next news story we've got down here... Uh, and okay, this was really interesting because I didn't actually read the full um, thing behind this news story, but this is virtual desktop. It adds Steam VR support uh, for certain games. 
well, <clears throat> pretty much any Steam VR game, to the best of my knowledge. But basically, what it means is you can use your Oculus Quest, stream VR games to your Oculus Quest, and play them with six degrees of freedom exactly in the same way as you would with a tethered PC VR headset. Obviously, the quality diminishes. You've got uh, the slightly more blurry, it's lower resolution. You're going to suffer from a little bit of latency and this kind of stuff. I haven't tried it, but from all of the, re- the reports... Um, it seems pretty impressive and the fact that this is just a little addition to an app that is already available on Oculus Quest, a virtual desktop, is particularly impressive because you usually had to buy purchase um, separate applications in order to achieve this kind of thing. Um, again, any thoughts on this, Anthony? Well, the nice thing about it is those of us that don't like if you're scared of sideloading, like if you don't want to get involved in sideloading then this is an official application that just runs on Oculus without sideloading that can kind of give you a similar, it it can do basically the same thing. I haven't tried this yet. I'm actually, my plan is after this episode, I want to like try the whole virtual desktop thing. I, you know, I've always been kind of like, I've never really been into these things because they always seemed like a gee whiz kind of a thing. Like almost like you're doing it just because, oh, I can't believe I can do this. But then you kind of like, I always wonder, well, well, if someone has a gaming PC right there and they're streaming it to their Oculus Quest, like, I mean, I guess the idea is you don't want to buy a Rift or you don't want to buy a Valve Index or whatever. And I guess, but if you have a good enough graphics card and everything, why did you buy a Quest? I mean, I don't know. It just seems like kind of weird to me, the whole idea of it. But it is the gee whiz factor for sure. Well, I think on that on that point, there are people that did buy a Quest because they didn't, they, 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 they already play PC games and they have a, a competent enough GPU. They bought a Quest because they want the simplicity, whatever, and they now have an inroads to try out Steam VR. So it's it's good in that part. And we got to remember that that they're last time I looked at these numbers and I've quoted them a few times. There's something uh, I forget the exact numbers, but there's only like two percent of all users on Steam that have a PC VR capable GPU actually have a VR headset. So if, if that number is 1 million, whatever, then there's like 49 million Steam users that have a GTX 970 or better. And so that's a big potential VR market. So any of those people that decide, hey, I want to try out a Quest, I'm thinking of the Quest sort of like the Nintendo Switch VR, that gives them an inroad to try Steam VR, which may then may tip the scales for them to say, hey, I'm going to go and pick up a Rift or going to go pick up an Index or whatever. So I think it's pretty cool. I will add, I... I pretty much ignore these streaming options because I have a PC VR headset and I, I should try them out, but I haven't yet. Um, I'll, Gary or, or Anthony, do either of you know how this virtual desktop option compares to ALVR? Because last week we had um, a users in chat that were asking if we were going to talk about ALVR streaming and that it's supposedly better than RiftCat. So I was just curious if either of you had heard how this virtual desktop solution stacks up against ALVR. I've not, no, no. I think um, it, from, from the very limited amount that I've read on this, um, it's pretty much the same i mean I, I definitely read comments where they said that they've tried both and it's pretty much stacks up the same um to that 
Um, I, I mean, the, the, the main point for me is, I suppose the end goal, the ultimate goal of all of this stuff is where we end up with a, a standalone VR headset like the Oculus Quest that can then we just pair it with a PC and it works as a PC VR headset with no latency, just better graphics and this kind of stuff. That's the ultimate dream of this stuff, this thing. And that's what you know, virtual desktop is going a way to approximate that. It's not there and it's not going to be there for many years, probably, where we have that kind of device. Um, but that's probably the ultimate dream, I suppose. What is amazing to me is all the crazy stuff that is going on with the Oculus Quest, man. I mean, people are just going nuts with this thing, which is so many different things that you can do that it wasn't really designed for. And so if somebody just bought an Oculus Quest and that's all they're going to play with and they just hang out on the Oculus Quest subreddits and stuff like that, there's so many crazy interesting things you can try with this headset and it's exciting. But also for me, it's like it's moving too fast. I'm like, dude, slow down. I can't keep up with all this. There's this thing. There's that thing. And I haven't tried any of it. And it's like it seems kind of almost overwhelming to me, but I'm going to finally try virtual desktop today. Finally. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you to Slay Blaze as well for his super chat contribution. Um, and let's get on to this next news story. So, uh, yeah, this is a weird one, isn't it? So, to the top. Um, this is where the to the top game has not been accepted into the Oculus Quest store, and there was a lot of backlash about this. I saw so many tweets, um, sort of including at Oculus Gaming or whatever into their tweets and just saying complaining about this. Um, how their to the top wasn't accepted as a legitimate Oculus Quest game for whatever reason. I'm not too sure why they refused that because it's been a very popular game. Anthony, I know you're a big fan of to the top. Um, what did you think of this? Yeah, I was pretty shocked by it, and it's kind of disturbing to me. See, the thing that I worry about, I under, I, I understand what Oculus is doing here. And what they're doing makes a lot of sense. They, This is what Jason Rubin talked about. He said in an interview, I think it was with Ben Lang or somebody, he said that we want people to say that everything here is good. And he's talking about the Oculus Quest store, that everything has been tested and and it's, it's working well, that's not janky. And he kind of talked about PC VR. You know, you, you, you play some games over there and you don't know if it's going to work right or it's kind of like a, a wild, wild west. And they want everything on the Quest to work really good and to be tailor-made and all these sorts of things. And that makes sense. And that's great, especially for the initial several months of the Quest. They're doing a great job. You look at all the stuff that's available. They don't really have any craptacular games on the Quest that I've seen so far. I don't have. I don't know of any people saying that this game is completely broken. So they're doing a good job as far as that goes. But at the same time... Man, when you have a developer like Electric Hat Games with such a widely celebrated game like To The Top and they get denied. Now, I'm kind of curious what what the real story is behind this. I've heard a number of different theories. One theory is motion sickness, that maybe the game is great and it works great, but maybe they feel like the motion sickness factor is too significant and they don't want to scare away people too early with motion sick type games. This could simply be a case where come January of 2020, to the top all of a sudden arrives on the Oculus Quest store and everything is great. But maybe early on, maybe Oculus is like, you know what? 
we don't really want these games right now. We're sorry, but we just we just don't want because apparently like Climby and the Jet Island devs like they're concerned as well, and it could kind of be this motion sickness thing. I'm I'm hoping that's what it is. What I really hope it isn't is that like whoever's doing this uh, reviewing of games for Oculus like doesn't even know what to the top is, and they're like they're like uh, I played it it seemed like a freaking demo i don't think it's that great because they need somebody at oculus they need a nut job they need a vr nut job like me or anybody else that is like a hardcore vr nut job i'm not saying me but like they need a VR <laughs> I mean, you're nut a nut job, job and i like, just throw your let me put my <laughs> name in the hat for that job too <laughs> sure i'm a vr nut job i could do it but but no they do need somebody that knows like like they've played to the top. They've played all these games. They like they know these games. They need a guy like that because you can't have a game like this slip through the cracks. If it's the motion sickness thing, I understand it. And I think it will come eventually. So I don't think it's like they'll never have to the top. Yeah, it's worth um, mentioning as well because this came out of – we've got Gamertag VR in chat as well. And this came out of an interview that he did with the uh, developer, uh, Electric Hat Games, um, where they revealed. So uh, Gamertag did, did mention in chat as well. So Oculus told Electric Hat it's too much of a tech demo feature uh, feature on the Oculus store. So, uh, you know, I don't really understand that because it really doesn't play like a tech demo necessarily at all. Um, it seems like a, a weird thing for them to uh, communicate to Electric electric hat steve um i don't know how much you played of to the top but, but this seems like a weird decision from them doesn't it because this was a pretty big game so i'll say that i i kind of it's one of those things where i understand i don't agree with the decision but i sort of understand however it seems like they've chosen to the top as as to make an example out of or something like I don't I don't think it's fair that to the top was chosen as this but I sort of understand the mentality that Oculus is trying to break they don't they don't want the quest to look anything like steam when it comes to VR games and and to the top does just in terms of cosmetically uh at least the last time I played it it, it did have a, a touch of that indie feel to it um and it it is all about the gameplay and so, you know, one of the games that you can kind of loosely compare to the top two is Sprint Vector, very loosely. I, I know they're very different, but um, in a way, but it's one of, a close game. But you look at the, the just the look and the feel of Sprint Vector, and it, it just has that cleaner, more polished look. So I think that might be triggering it. But then Gamertag VR and Chad is saying that they told that that Oculus told the developer that it looks uh, that it's too much like a tech demo. And and that's interesting to me because the game is all about the gameplay and the mechanics and the acceleration and all of that. It's it, there's no real story to it. There's there's none of that. So in that sense, in that same sense, isn't Electronauts a tech demo? Isn't um, uh, Beat Saber a tech demo? Because there's no there's no narrative. There's no purpose. You're just in this place doing something. And to the top is is kind of fits that same mold. Um, and chat is saying super hot is a tech demo and and it is like i can see those things as being tech demos so i don't know why to the top was chosen in that same uh sense and, and singled out so um i don't agree with it to the top deserves to be on quest i think uh, i think they'll get there but more importantly i think oculus needs to tread lightly and very carefully uh, when it comes to developers. They need to cater developers. They need to be best friends with developers. I've 
said it in probably today, and I'll probably say it on every VR Roundtable episode going forward to the end of time, that content is king. And your content comes from your developers, and you can't have a developer out there spending resources and burning money to create a game in a very niche, small market and then stonewall them like this. Now, I'm assuming uh, Electric Hat assumed that they were going to get approval and maybe just kind of decided to push forward and, and are shocked by this news. Um, but but Oculus has to do something about that. They need to be clear um, and, and figure out a way that, that developers aren't wasting their resources prior to approval or disapproval. Um, either way, they, they, they can't burn bridges because we need content. We need as few hurdles as possible between the developers and the consumers in getting content out there. And this is a bad way to go about it, in my opinion. Could you imagine if you spent months and months making this version and then they say no you're like what <laughs> oh my god well game game attack did say uh in chat as well just now he said so me and electric hat we're going to stream to the top as an announcement of it coming to the quest the game is 99 percent finished but then they got an email one day before we were going to go live um yeah so i mean they've obviously put a fair amount of work into this as well and it's got to be disappointing for them so hopefully we can work a way around this um some people are talking about how they're considering uh side loading options you know purchase from maybe their own store and side loading it on or something like that um but either way it's not it's not good for them okay that's weird i wonder if they did that would there be a way that they could protect that file like if if they were to sell it on their website like an application that could be sideloaded of to the top, what would stop somebody from just copying that and putting it on like every torrent site everywhere? Um, that's an interesting question right there. Yeah, I mean, it probably makes it a little bit easier. I think there's ways that people could do that even if it was purchased, well, possibly maybe purchased from a store, I think. But maybe like yeah. a password system or something. I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do anyway. But um, yeah, it's not it's not great for them. So hopefully they can get that sorted out. Um, okay, so we, this week as well, we had some more footage from Boneworks and Asgard's Wrath. Um, I didn't see the Boneworks footage. Anthony, I know you did. Um, did you want to speak about this quickly yeah i would just just um this came out just like i don't know if it was just today that this popped up or maybe late last night or whatever but but yeah node has a new video where they're showing boneworks and they're playing it on the valve index so it's kind of like a combination of they're talking about the valve index and then they're also showing some new footage from boneworks and it just continues to look really good uh they showed you know, using two hands on like a, a long sword and doing things and like stabbing these bodies and like stabbing them together. It just it just looks really good. It's just more more good looking stuff. And and hopefully with the valve index coming in the very near future here, some people are thinking they might even get their valve indexes a little bit ahead of time. There's there's stuff coming out in emails and stuff like that. So excitement is starting to build. And Boneworks looks really good. It does. Sean Norton said in chat, speaking of tech demos, because that's what this looks like so far. I mean, I hope there's a game that like, they've got a game uh, fair way through production. But to me, any time I see footage of Boneworks, it still feels like it's a way off. Um, but 
you know, hopefully I'm wrong on that and that it's, it's not too far off, but um, that's just the way it feels. Um, Steve, did you, I don't know if you saw the Boneworks footage at all. I've not seen the new footage, and if I did, I'd probably have it rolling here, but I'm glad to see that I'm not the only one that thinks that this looks and feels a little tech demo-y. Like, everyone is so high, so damn high on the Boneworks hype train, and I agree, it could be an amazing game, and it, 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 I'm, I'm assuming that it will be, but what we're seeing is mostly just an interaction uh, uh, tech demo. So I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know why I'm even co- talking right now other than to say, I'm glad it's not just me because I thought it was just me because everyone was so high on it that I'm like, why am I the, the lone wolf here? So I'm not the lone wolf. So it just makes me feel good. Um, but yeah, the other the other one, um, Asgard's Wrath, and I, I did see this as well because um, some of the footage on this looked really impressive. This, it turns out, and actually this was um, tested, did a, a video on the Unreal uh, glasses, but also at the end of that, um, they spoke about Asgard's Wrath, um, which was the first sort of more in-depth impressions that I had on this game. Um, I think Jeremy spent a couple of hours on Asgard's Wrath, and he was talking about it, how it is more of like a, a legitimate... RPG built up from the ground up for for VR, which is the first time this has happened really in for this level of scope, I would say. Um, so my level of interest in this game has just gone up and up really. Um, I thought it looked pretty good anyway, but now I'm finding out that it's this kind of open, well, maybe not quite open world, but certainly RPG based uh, game. Uh, very interested in that. Um, Anthony, what did you think? Yeah, so. Asgard's Wrath, I got to admit that when we, the very first announcement, like our, the very first trailers and stuff that we got on it, I honestly wasn't all that hyped. Now, part of that is Sanzaru Games. Like, what have they done recently? They did Rip Coil, they did VR Sports Challenge, and then they did Marvel Powers United VR. And I liked, I liked VR Sports Challenge, actually. Rip Coil was okay for what it was, and I really wasn't into Marvel Powers United VR. But it's not like I think of Sanzaru Games as freaking the next Naughty Dog or something. They're a pretty good developer. But I just saw the trailers and stuff, and I thought, oh, this is going to be very action-heavy. This is got like an arcade slasher game, but great graphics. And I kind of wasn't taking Asgard's Wrath very seriously. But now, after seeing this slated tested video, and they show so much more footage of the game, first of all, best graphics in VR award? Maybe, man. I'm telling you, when you guys see, like, we think, okay, No Man's Sky, Boneworks, Stormland, Population One, like, these are the best-looking VR games we've ever seen. When you see the newest footage of Asgard's Wrath that's in this tested video... I'm like, damn, that looks really good. So graphically, it looks incredible. And then they were talking about how uh, Jason Rubin was saying this is the biggest VR game ever. And and uh, Jeremy was mentioning that he's not sure if they mean like budget-wise or they mean the length because it's like 50 hours. And, and he kind of said, you know, it might be all of them. And so I'm starting to think like I was watching all that footage of it And I'm starting to think to myself, you know what? I wonder if Sanzaru Games has been working on Asgard's Wrath since the very beginning. Like since when they were working on Ripcoil, they might have had a team already building Asgard's Wrath. And so it might have been this thing where 
the primary team has really been on Asgard's Wrath, but they've had splinter teams that did like Rip Coil, VR Sports Challenge, and Marvel Powers United VR. But like Asgard's Wrath is the real baby. And this is the banger. Because we've always been wondering, like, what would happen if a developer threw ridiculous sums of money and gave a develop, I mean, a publisher threw ridiculous sums of money and gave the developer like three and four years to make like a fully fleshed out VR game. And that might be what Asgard's Wrath is. So my hype level is way up on this. Mm, absolutely. So uh, thank you to Jim Hall as well. Just uh, contributes to the Super Chat too. Um, just very quickly before I go over to Steve, um, we can get your impressions on, I don't know if you saw the footage of Asgard's Wrath, but, but quickly, let me ask you, Anthony, on the Stormland um, stuff as well, because we had a new trailer for Stormland. Did you see that as well? Oh yeah, and that looks that it looks drop dead gorgeous as well. So it's a real battle for like best graphical candy in VR. Yeah. So Steve, um, which of these did you see any like uh, Asgard's Wrath or Stormland trailers at all? Because they both look pretty impressive. I have been out of pocket the past few days. Sorry, I did not see them. But I will say that I was. I guess I'm, I was higher on Asgard's Wrath to begin with. That footage they had uh, back at um, um, PAX where they had the Kraken coming up out of the ocean. So I thought that looked pretty damn good, like in terms of fidelity and, and polish and scale and all that. So I was already pretty high on Asgard's Wrath. Um, no Man's Sky is, is still the top that I'm personally most interested in. But I've had uh, Asgard's Wrath and Stormland as, as sort of – 2A and 2B in, in the background for me. I don't know which is coming first. Um, I guess no one knows probably other than Oculus. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm hyped on it. I look forward to the games. Okay. Um, well, just on that point, actually, because I've got a little prediction. We, 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 we're going to mention E3. There's not too much to talk about, uh, but we're going to mention it because it's on the thumbnail. So we want to get to it anyway. Um, unfortunately, because, um, you know, we're recording this show really probably just before anything that's going to happen in terms of VR at E3 is going to break. You know, uh, later on today, tomorrow, upload, have a uh, an E3 VR showcase, uh, which is a 9, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 uh, p.m. Eastern time. I think it's... Uh, 5 p.m. It must be 5 p.m. over here in the UK. Um, so obviously, hopefully we'll get some kind of uh, reports of some games and stuff like that that comes out of that. But just very quickly, like uh, Stormland, I'm predicting maybe we might get a release date for Stormland at E3. I think that sort of makes sense with what they're doing. That's why they released the trailer, the new trailer that last week is like a build-up to it. That's sort of a very safe prediction. But, um, you know... Anthony, with regards to E3 and VR-related things that are going to happen, is there anything that you can point to? I know there's not a lot of info out there, but... Yeah, no, I was thinking the exact same thing that you thought about Stormland, because, you know, when you get to the very the very end of that Stormland trailer, you're kind of thinking, okay, we're going to see summer 2019 or fall tw or something, you know, we're going to see something, right? And there was nothing at the end of that trailer, and I immediately thought, oh, E3's next week. Bam, that's where the announcement's going to be. So, yeah, we have not, we've, we haven't had a date for Asgard's Wrath or for Defector or for Stormland. A lot of this stuff, people have been wondering about it for so long. And I think, I think we're going to get some dates. And so, and one of them, maybe one of them, 
pops right right away. That could happen as well. Like maybe Defector just bam comes out. I mean, I don't know. Uh, as far as like other stuff that's going on, there's a lot of other little companies that are going to be showing off games. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of VR games that are floating around out there that like Espire One and you know just different VR games that have kind of been in the background that they might finally starting to be wrapping up their development a little bit. So. Uh, it seems like we're getting announcements like every other day, though, with a lot of little small VR games here and there. And so I expect that to continue. Uh, you know, what will be exciting, probably not, but Microsoft, like, you know, they're doing something tonight. I mean, would they ever mention VR? I doubt it, but some people kind of think they will. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. The Microsoft question is is big. I don't think E three this year is the right place for them to do that anyway. Even if they they wanted to, I don't think it will happen. But I don't think they'll stay out of VR forever. I think they are going to do something at some point. Just not, you know. I don't think anything's going to come out of E three. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, on E three, on what you all said, there's a lot lot to unpack. Possibly, like. Well, the only thing I'll say, and I'll admit I have um, fallen off of the E3 hype in a way because I've known Sony wasn't going to be there. So as a VR enthusiast that doesn't pay a ton of attention to the flat gaming market, I, I just kind of E3 was – I didn't give it the love that I would give it any other year you know, in the past. So I have – really not focused and paid attention. So I don't know what's there, but we're talking about possible release dates given for uh, Asgard's or Stormland or maybe Defector, whatever. Do we know, is there any confirmation of what Oculus's involvement, if at all, is at E3? Are they going? Do do we have any reason to believe anything Oculus related is necessarily going to be present at E3 outside of the thing that Upload VR is putting on and Upload VR is large enough that I'd imagine if they were probing Oculus, hey, give us an exclusive on something or give us some tidbits for this uh, E3 special we're trying to put on that that maybe Oculus would oblige. Um, but anyways, do we know, have any of you seen any Oculus focus at, at E3? Not as far as I know. I think they've got that they do have a presence on the show floor as far as I know. But um, yeah, nothing other than that, really. Yeah, so Oculus. Upload, but if Oculus is there in some way, or they're feeding information to upload VR, one thing sticking out there that would be nice is if we finally get a title or an unveil for the Respawn game. That seems very E three ish kind of uh, possibility to me. Yeah, especially for a teaser trailer. Now I heard that Oculus has a special um, announcement they're going to be making in collaborate collaboration with Rockstar. That's going to be awesome. Huh? <laughs> but um, no, you know, one thing we forgot about though, Bethesda is it, is Bethesda tonight? Like Bethesda does that thing every year, right? And and we they got eternal doom or the, whatever. Um, we could get a date for the, the, the mobile Skyrim thing. What, what was that Blades. called? Yeah. Blades. We could maybe get a date for that in VR. There could be new, you know, there could be a new announcement that comes completely out of left field from a major publisher that has never dabbled in VR before. And they're finally dipping their toes or maybe a major franchise. We've always I mean, who knows, man, Bioshock VR. I mean, something Dream. could happen. <laughs> hey, Nathy's there. Why? Why would he go to E3 if there was not going to be anything major there? There's got to be something. I think he went last year and there wasn't anything major there. Like, that's the problem. 
Uh, but, yeah, but, E3 is uh, interesting. So outside of, of just purely VR, though, and, and people in chat were talking about AMD, I guess, is supposed to be, uh, and I don't track AMD GPUs, but then NVIDIA has teased um, uh, something super. So we might have some refreshed NVIDIA cards uh, coming around. Um, so there's uh, other things that's pertinent to VR, although not directly related. So, um, yeah, I, I... I'm not hyped. I haven't been hyped, but I will be refreshing my all my media outlets and, and Twitter feeds and stuff tonight, just curiously tracking what Microsoft says. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you to Chris Richardson for his Super Chat contribution as well. Appreciate it. Okay, let's get back onto the show document. So we can go on to a few games that we've been uh, playing this past week. Uh, the big one is Trover Saves the Universe. I think we've all played this. Uh, I've not played too much of it, but um, Anthony, um, I'll go over to you first on this. What did you think of Trover? Yeah, so I actually played quite a bit of this yesterday. And um, so the thing is, I mean, it's obviously a seated game and you're going to play with a controller. And we ended up with a Steam version of this game. And so basically I was, you know, sitting in a chair and I had my Xbox controller. And it's interesting how they they make this game where you're basically this guy that's in a chair that's like floating around and then you control this other character and the story, man, it, this is almost, ba it's basically an interactive cartoon. Like, this is pretty much an interactive cartoon. And probably the best aspect of this entire game, in my opinion, is like, we've had games in the past that have had like running commentaries and stuff, but I don't think I've ever seen a game that has had a running commentary that was so quick to respond to what you were doing in that precise moment. Like I, I remember way back to the days of like the Sega Genesis and they had a baseball game that was like, he hit the ball to the, and, and it would be like the announcer would be saying something that you did like three minutes ago and stuff. And I mean, obviously things have improved over the years, but this is like next level what they're doing here in Trover where honestly, if you're a fan of Justin Rowland and, and like that whole type of comedy that they specialize in, you're going to just eat this thing up. Now, as far as the actual game is concerned, um, the gameplay is good. It's kind of, there's some weird perspective stuff that's going on. Like I'm still kind of adapting to the fact that you, you have a character. I mean, well, you have Trover there and you're moving him around. You're also this chair opian or whatever they call it. And so you're kind of floating around, you're moving Trevor around. And then there's these nodes that you, that you see. And so you run Trevor over to a node, you click the trigger button and then bam, you hit that node. I was kind of thinking as I was playing this, why didn't they just do like a Lucky's Tail or like a uh, Astrobot uh, where the camera just kind of automatically flows with you? But I guess that would be kind of hard. But another thing they do is like you're in this chair and your bumper buttons can like shoot you way up into the air and shoot you way back down. So uh, the more I've been playing it, I've started to, started to get into these areas where you really do have to go way up. And now you're like looking way down on things and you're like, oh, okay, I move them over there. And then sometimes you got to move down. And so it's kind of interesting how everything's coming together. But if you're, 
if you're the type of gamer that just wants gameplay, period, and you don't really care about stories very much, you're a gameplay guy, you're an A to B guy, and you just it's all about the mechanics and stuff, you might be a bit disappointed with Trover, but I'm really enjoying it because for me it's just it's like a cartoon that that I'm in and, and just the F bombs. Oh my god. <laughs> like the profanity is just hilarious. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Anthony. I think if you're like a, a gamer and you're looking for this to be like the game that you play and you just want to go in there and enjoy it for the gameplay mechanics and that kind of stuff, you're probably going to be left wanting. But um, overall, I love this. Uh, the humor and everything. I, I've got to say, you know, I've, I've only seen like a handful of uh, Rick and Morty episodes. I've watched probably the first half of the first season or something like that, and I thought it was good, you know. I thought it was great, but I I didn't really stick with it. But the humour in this and the constant narration is so well done. I think it's like, I mean, I presume it's ad-libbed in some ways, and then they've got certain beats that they need to hit at certain points. But it's so well done that that aspect of it is is really good. Um, And, yeah, the other thing, I mean, I think the game looks good as well. It looks great. Um, And as you say, Anthony, I think uh, it's like being in a cartoon. And, you know, yeah, the F-bombs and stuff like that, it's just hilarious. So I think this is really, really good. Steve, what do you think? I like it. So I I like it a lot more than I thought I would. So um, you you guys have already talked about a lot of the points that I would have said, so I'll try not to be repetitive. Um, One of the things that stood out to me is in the very beginning, um, you're seeing a a TV screen and you're kind of getting the the starting outlay of the story. And then Trover busts through the door and you're coming face to face with Trover for the first time. And all the trailers and, and, and little gameplay footage that I've seen up till that moment when I was actually playing it in VR, I was surprised that Trover is like like my height. Like he's he's big. Like I was expecting like a little small Astrobot kind of Trover. Um so so the scale is almost real, like um one to one human size, these these characters are. Um and a little bit, you know, maybe 45-ish minutes in, you get the uh, ability that Anthony mentioned where you can jack your chair up to uh, three different heights. And, and and that becomes a platforming mechanic where um, you, you need to be at these different heights to to see through see around the world and obstacles and, and just to navigate Trover. And then there's some very, very light combat. And I've not completed the game, so I don't know, you know, maybe the combat is going to get more deep. But the combat is pretty shallow. You're just swinging a a melee object uh, and you can do typical uh, jump swings and, and, and things like that. But all all in all, it comes together. The fidelity is real high, but you you have to enjoy or at the very least not be put off by the Justin Roiland uh, uh, humor and, and, and the, the, the verbal berate and I don't just mean curse words, but um, the Anthony was spot on when he said how quick the game can respond to things that you're doing and, and, and just present them to you in, in, in spoken dialogue from Trover. Uh, but it does things like you know, push the button. Why aren't you putting some button? Push the effing button, you effing retard. Push the button. Push the button. Why aren't you pushing the button? It's the X button. It's just right there below your thumb. Push the button. And it's just kind of verbally berating you, you know, trying to get you to do something. And and it's cool, but at times I imagine that that can be a little a little off-putting. Um, but 
that said, like I, um, I, I really enjoy my, this game, and it's sort of my my go to. Now, early on, when we first started talking about Trover, Kev Gret in chat, and I'm going to call this out. This is growing back about ten minutes, but he said, "I think Trover is better than." Um, Oh crap! Blood, blood and, truth. and truth, and he said, "Prove me wrong." Like I don't think it's better than <laughs> Blood and Truth. Like uh, I can't prove you wrong. I'm just telling you, I don't think it's better than Blood and Truth. Uh, but Trover is still really, really good. Uh, I like the game. Uh, it's twenty nine ninety nine, so it's a little bit cheaper than Blood and Truth. So it's better on the price. Uh, but it and Blood and Truth, I recommend so long as you can put up with the the very specific Justin Roiland um, uh, form of comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you to John Barto. Just uh, just uh, submitted a super chat to us as well. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, on that on that point, blood and truth and this, they're two completely different things. It depends what you're looking for. I mean, if you're looking for a, a you know a bit of comedy and that kind of stuff, then go for Trover. Uh, if you want to be an action movie, go for Blood and Truth. Um, it's t- it's tough call because I like them both. I've got to be honest. Um, but go ahead, Anthony. I was just going to say, like, on the comedy front, I get what some people, like, I think Jarillo in chat was like, this comedy just doesn't work for me. And and I know there's people out there where it's like, you can't, sometimes you you hear this kind of comedy and you almost think it's it's cheap because it's like, oh, all they're doing is just throwing out every cuss word under the sun and that becomes funny. But is it really funny? They're just throwing out cuss words. And so for me, I'll say for me, it does kind of wear thin a little bit. Like when I'm playing Trover, I'm not like ha 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 laughing at every little thing that happens. But for me, what it is is I'm playing the game and and they'll say something where I'll just be like, you know, I'll just start smiling, you know, where it's just like, damn, that was a really good line right there. And it's just one of those kinds of things with it, the comedy. It pulls uh, the. Did you pulls- both? Did you both complete, uh, I assume, the first world where you have to go and get a crystal? Did you complete that whole level? At the end, you're presented with a choice. And I don't know what choice, and don't don't say what choice you've made, but did you feel like with your choice, you felt like you knew you were making a wrong choice? And you knew you were making it, but it's the choice that you made anyway. It's it's like, I think it's a damned if you haven't played both choices but it's a damned if you do both scenarios i'm sure um but but did you feel that like when you make that choice that it was like i know i'm doing the wrong thing i'm doing something really bad here but i'm doing it anyway like did y'all have that yeah yeah definitely a little bit and i like the other characters like it's not just the trover guy like there's other characters in the game that are pretty freaking hilarious yeah But I think I think part of the comedy I can understand like people not not liking it because the thing is as well you need to go along with just how absurd everything is. It's like everything's just so strange. They're throwing everything at the wall. Everything's really weird and this kind of stuff. And you have to just go along with that. It's almost like I mean it's nothing like Monty Python, but it's almost like that in in some respects because Monty Python is so strange, so weird that kind of comedy. And there this is doing the same thing. But with what you were saying there, Anthony, about how certain lines just hit you, and I wasn't laughing out loud either, but certain points just make you smile. And it's the parts where it just pulls the rug out from under you, I think, um, and it just surprises you with some of the things that these characters say that you weren't expecting. Um, I think that's where it hits me anyway. You know, one thing I did notice about the game, like colorful as can be, which I love color. I love these bright pastels and all that stuff that they have in the game. Candyland style, you know, it's super colorful. But also 
These kinds of games, I notice Screen Door more than any other game on the planet. Like, like these are the games where I really notice Screen Door, like Trover. Like, like I, I just see the Screen Door so clearly. Now, I'm not on a Rift S, but I do kind of imagine, man, if I had a reverb right now, this would look really good. And I bet you it would run okay in a reverb, too. It runs well on the Pimax, um, so it, it should translate to the reverb. I'm playing, yeah, I'm playing on Rift S and it looks pretty good to me uh, on that. But uh, yeah, okay, so the next game on the list, and Anthony, I know you, you asked me to play this before the show, I just didn't get a chance, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so Zed, Anthony, why don't you tell us about this game? Yeah, I don't need to talk too long about this one, but basically, we saw trailers of this game a long time ago, and the trailers looked really, really good. And so I was super excited about this game for the longest time. What I didn't realize, though, is that this wasn't like a VR only game. It's really a flat game that has like a VR mode. And so I didn't really know that until like the game actually released and it came out. I think it's like 18 bucks and um, full disclosure. I did get a key from the developer. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But basically the bottom line here is like, if you're really into story and you love beautiful visuals and you love kind of exploring an environment that's kind of surreal and and kind of whacked out a little bit. I think Zed is actually really good, but there's a lot of there is a lot of negatives. Like number 1, you get into the game, it's teleporting only. And at first I was thinking, well, I can't be so harsh on this. It's teleporting only, but you know, there's other games that are teleporting only, but I got to say, I've been doing VR for so long with so many games having free locomotion that, that when you get to a teleport only game after a while, it does start to irritate you. And I'm like, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that the devs will add free locomotion in at some point because it's got mixed reviews and it's the number one thing everybody's complaining about. The other thing is, is that you do have hand presence, like you have individual hands that are floating around, but you may as well not have it because you're not doing anything with these hands. The only thing that you're doing is you'll see certain objects in the environment, like one of your hands will have like a little laser pointer coming out of it. And so if there's something to point at, it'll have it. It doesn't always have it. And so you'll see something on a table or a chair and you point at it and it'll make a noise or you can point at it and hit a button and then it's like, zzz, it zooms into you and then you can kind of examine it a little bit and then it goes into your journal and you could read a little journal note about it. But it's pretty much a walking simulator. You're basically just walking around, exploring this environment. But I found the environment to be pretty freaking drop dead gorgeous. Like I think that, like if you watch the trailers of this game, you'll think, wow, this is a beautiful game. And those graphics are in the real game. This is another game where like, damn, I wish I had a reverb. It looks so damn good. And I would like to see it look even better. Um, but very little interactivity. And then the puzzles. Okay, this might be the worst aspect of the whole thing. I kind of think now that Zed is an experience. It's not a game, but I think what the developers did is like, they're like, okay, this is an experience, but it's hard to sell a $18 experience. It's a lot easier to sell a $18 game. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to add these super incredibly simple puzzles that a seven-year-old could solve. They basically put these little puzzles where it's just like six little boxes. You put them in order to make the picture look correct. 
that's all it is. And then the next puzzle's like eight boxes, and then the next puzzle's like 12 boxes. And it almost feels like an afterthought, like like somebody played the game and they're like, hey, this isn't a game. You got to add something to gamify it a little bit. So they added those puzzles in. So it kind of sounds like everything I'm saying is mostly bad. But wait a minute, it's got voiceover and it's it's like this is and this is an adult story. This is not a little kid story. This is like an adult grown up story. It's about dementia and Alzheimer's and like this guy can't remember stuff and he wants to make a book for his uh, I think maybe his granddaughter. And it's kind of like the last thing this guy wants to do in his entire life, basically, is just wants to get this little children's book made for his granddaughter. And uh, it's decent, man. It, the bottom line is, but if you have high expectations where you want like gameplay and all of that, definitely stay away. But if you're so into stories that you can enjoy a walking simulator because the story is so good, maybe give it a look. I don't think it's too bad. Yeah, this, um, I mean, just looking at Trader and from what you've said before, because I heard you speak about it uh, on VR365 as well, Anthony, and um, it definitely looks like one. I'm definitely going to check it out because, um, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I like. I like sort of the, the narrative uh, kind of thing. It's not always, you know, I like action as well, but sometimes you just want this kind of little bit more subdued experience, which is sort of narrative-based and sort of very light puzzles and that kind of stuff. Um, and I think um, if this delivers that, then I'm definitely going to give it a try. Um, okay, I did want to just talk about Blood and Truth again uh, this week. We spoke about it quite uh, in depth last week, but I've finished the game now, and I've got to say, you know, it just gets better and better. Blood and Truth just gets better and better as you go on, and um, it's sort of like every single uh, action scene, every famous action scene you can think of of a film or movie that's been out in the last 35 years it's in this game, it feels like it's in this game and it just gets more bombastic as you go along um, and I was you know, I played around 4 hours before I spoke about it on the show last week and I thought they'd thrown everything in there that they were going to throw in there then but they just keep up in their game as, the, as it goes on, I absolutely love Blood and Truth um, um, it's going to be on my game of the year list somewhere. I don't know where it'll end up because we should, I should also acknowledge that what we were speaking about last week in terms of like, um, gameplay experience, how is it, how is it really, uh, like, is it a game? And it is, it is in some places, but I would sort of stand by the 50, 50, um, representation that it's sort of 50% experience, 50% game. But, um, I, absolutely loved it nevertheless the story's great um and overall just as a just take it as a vr experience you don't need to think of it as one thing or another just take it as a vr experience and i think you'll absolutely love it um has anybody else got any has anybody played more of this at all i've I played a little more of it and, and and yeah it just keeps getting better but I've, I've not beaten it yet um it's it's on my list and and i'm honestly you know to kevin gratt's point 30 minutes ago it's like it's a toss-up uh, in a way, I'm leaning more it than Trover, um, but I kind of want to keep playing both. And um, yeah, I think I'm thinking I'm going to do finish this first and then go back to Trover. Yeah, Anthony, how about you? Yeah, you know, I try. I did go back into it, and I was like, I was just trying to continue my game, and I I basically got stuck. Did Did you ever get any problems, Gary? Where like there was any weird situation where you're like, okay, how do I get to the next point? Because what happened for me is like, 
I'm basically in that apartment and there's like four or five different nodes you can go to. There's like a safe with a cigar and a lighter. There's this thing over there that has like a, a slot machine. And then there's like, um, you know, there's just a couple of different Is it where you're trying to right find there. the key card? Is it the the, uh, the, uh, the card, the identity card or something like that? Is it that point or... I, I don't know. I'm just trying to like, I'm just trying to resume a game. Like, you know, when you're playing a game, but like, you got to go somewhere, you got to do something, mm-hmm. you got to quit out of the game. And then next time you go back in the game, you're not sure where they're going to leave you off at. And so I'm just trying to get back into the game. Yeah. Paradise to Gay says it's Anthony still stuck in, in his cellar. And so in this like apartment or whatever you're in, there's a gun gun range that's down there. Right. And I went down to the gun range and I've got these two, like nine millimeters and like I put them in the thing and I spray painted them and I put the silencer on it. And then there's a machine gun and I did all of that. And I'm at the three different ranges. I'm shooting things, I'm reloading, but it never, it never allowed me to go to the elevator. So I don't know if it maybe just got stuck and I just need to like redo it. Hit the strafe. Have you used the strafe buttons? The X and the circle. Yeah. If you just circle all the way over as far as you can, you're able to hit the button. It doesn't let me get like, cause normally like you, you snap to these different spots and then you look and you'll see like a white circle on the ground Yeah. or, and, but it doesn't do that. Like it's, it's like, it's waiting me for, it's waiting for me to do something and I've done everything. I basically, I just got to go back oh, in and you it have probably a was lot a little more to see in this game. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, to, to, the, you're really just scratching the surface. Yeah. <laughs> The okay, um, yeah, I, I will say as well, just as very minor criticism, I did have a crash in this game. Um, it did uh, sort of crash out and go back and basically reset my PS4 for some reason um, at the very beginning. Um, so maybe it's just sort of glitched out, Anthony, on yours. I don't know, but uh, okay. Um, well, we can finish up the show. Let me just very quickly mention uh, Quake Quest because I sideloaded the version of Quake, the old 1996-97 games, whenever it came out, uh, on the Oculus Quest uh, this past week, just to give it a try. Um, and you can do this. I'll try to remember to put some links into either the description or the comments on this video so people can try it out. But there's some great videos out there guiding you through this. I did it using uh, this thing called Sideload. Uh, sorry, side quest um which is it just makes sort of sideloading things onto the quest and the go so much more easy and that's i wanted to try it mainly for that reason just to see the difference from when i tried to put quake on my oculus go um and it does make things a lot easier but you do have to wait for them to be incorporated into side quest uh, to make it very easy you know you basically just click on it and it just uh transfers over to the oculus quest but with um, Quake Quest, I th- there were a couple of problems. Um, now, overall, I think the experience is great. I loved it on my Oculus Go, and what is what they're offering here in the uh, Quest as well is really well done. It's six degrees of freedom. You've got uh, you know motion controllers as well that you can use. Unfortunately, because of the way the game was designed or the way the engine works, um, I've heard that there's sort of limitations on how they can incorporate six degrees of freedom. So it's almost like your body or your camera or your 60OF is trapped somewhere between your gun and your head position. So you can move around and it works in 60OF, but then all of, all of a sudden it will sort of not quite work in the way that you want it to. It sort of um, locks your position 
it, it's difficult to describe. It's not like it's locking your position, but it's not quite one to one six DOF. That, I suppose that's that's the main thing. And also the gun position, it's not one to one on your gun. So you can move the gun in and out using your motion controller, and, and that feels one to one. But then when you move it around, it still feels like it's attached in some way to your in game body. Um, and again, this is all because of the limitations of that engine. And uh, the developer of this has tried to get as good an approximation of 60OF as possible. And for the most part, I think it really works well. But, the, you know, you need to go into it knowing that there are this, these limitations in order to not really be disappointed. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'm enjoying it. I played a lot on the Oculus Go uh, on Quake. Um, when I took it away, and that worked really well. This works well too on the Oculus Quest. It's just not quite um, where I would love it to be, to be absolutely, you know, perfect 6DOF, one-to-one motion controllers and that kind of stuff. It's just not quite there, unfortunately. But definitely worth trying, and I'll put some links in the comments below anyway. Gary, have you ever thought about, like, doing like a game like doing any kind of let's plays with these quest things like these like can you do a like could you record a gameplay of it like when you sideload it i don't even know if that's possible i don't i don't know i think uh Pabodast k is the one to ask is he? Uh-huh. he does these um but yeah i've not really looked into it um I, you know I, I don't really do let's plays anyway but uh maybe i'll you know maybe i should maybe i should start doing that i don't know <laughs> um but yeah Okay, uh, has anybody got anything else they would like to add on to this week's show before we get out of here? I don't have anything. Okay, well, I think we're pretty much there then. So thank you to everyone joining us in live chat, and thank you to everybody listening to the audio podcast. Please do click on that like button on the YouTube video and leave a review for us uh, on iTunes or any, you know, platform that you listen to the podcast on that will be appreciated um but yeah that's pretty much it so thank you and oh actually we're not doing a show next week just to make you aware there won't be a show next week but uh, we should be back uh, on normal schedule the following week um, it's father's day we're all dads yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so we'll see you in a couple of weeks i guess Alrighty, bye everybody bye bye